Syndicate presents the Cole Talks at You podcast with your host, the Amherst Minuteman and co-host, the Los Angeles Smog. How are we doing today, folks? I am Cole, the host of the Cold Talks at You podcast. I will be inviting Andre to join me in a second here, but before we jump in, I just want to give a quick ode to Team USA and their valiant performance during the World Baseball Classic. They came close, they tried their hardest. Trey Turner was a beast, Kyle Schwarber was a beast. The pitchers had a pulse, they, they gave it their all, but ultimately, Team Japan was just a little too strong. Shohei Otani, freaking amazing. Mike Trout, just not quite fish manny enough. So until next time, you know, good game, good effort, good try, Team USA. Hopefully you can get it done in 2026. Alrighty, so now we're going to welcome Andre to the pod. Andre, how are you doing this morning? As always, I am wonderful. Cole, how are you? I'm doing well. So the open draft is rolling as we speak. Uh, I think I think Patrick's on the clock. So, you know, maybe maybe we'll keep an eye on that throughout the pod. But I, I want to talk a lot about free agency today. We got a we got a beast of a show ahead of us. So uh, but before we jump in, I, I just wanted to quickly get your thoughts on static division. So it's looking like that's going to pass and we'll be tasked with coming up with some static divisions that we'll, we will stick with uh, for perpetuity. So what are your thoughts there? Hey, Cole, what is the purpose of a division? Just in real life. In real life, you have more or less geographic divisions in order to minimize travel time. What is the purpose of a division in a fantasy league where we are all sitting at our computers or sitting by our phones, probably naked, not traveling? What, what is the fucking point? Who gives a shit about static divisions? Make no divisions. That's ultimately what makes most sense. That way... You increase parity. You don't have people stuck in the fucking division of death every year, namely me. It's so much better. Why the fuck do we keep doing this to ourselves? Just to have a picture of fucking Sammy Sosa that's going to terrify me every time I see it? What's the fucking purpose of this? Okay, so first off, put put some pants on. Uh, second, we've we've kind of waffled on this. We've gone back and forth, having divisions, not having divisions. We had three divisions at one point, which kind of was a little awkward with our playoff structure. But I don't know. I I like divisions. Like it gives you something else to strive for. It it narrows down the number of rivals you have in a given year. Like fourteen team league, that's pretty big. So if you can say, oh, I have six division rivals, like fuck those guys, I want to beat them. I think it makes it fun. Um, ultimately, in our playoff structure, it doesn't really matter. This league, though. Fuck all of you. I want to win. <laughs> it should be everyone's attitude. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Yeah, I mean, maybe we make static divisions. We we keep them for a few years, and then whoever gets in my division gets frustrated that they've never won the division, and we abolish divisions. It's <laughs> uh, our our rules are kind of cyclical, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Fair enough. I'll, I'll stop being mad, but I will not put on pants. All right. So a- as I mentioned in the intro, we got a beast of a show ahead of us. So let's let's go team by team and talk about free agency. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. I just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Here it is. Show me the money. All right, so in the past, we, we generally go alphabetical, but I decided we'd switch things up here and go in reverse order of uh, previous champions, which means we're going to be talking about the Brooklyn Brewers first. Uh, so the Brewers signed 15 contracts. They only had a dollar thirty of remaining cap space, so good job there. Uh, they signed seven players, headlined by Aaron Judge, Zach Gallen, and uh, Aussie Albies. Andre, how do you think uh, Nick did here? Okay, so I've waffled on on this a fair bit. 
I cannot criticize retaining Judge, and I think at the price, actually, that's a that's a pretty decent to good price for Judge. I like Zach Gallon a lot. I uh, think he got him at a really good price. Then we start to kind of go lower on that list, and it starts to get a little worse and worse. Ozzy, I mean, there's a reason I nominated him to release. Uh, Luis Garcia, uh, that's not a terrible price for Luis Garcia. It's two years, so he can get out of that if he wants. I think he's got to kick ass at the open draft because he's got a lot of holes. Uh, maybe too many pitchers under contract for my taste. Um, but I don't think he's in the worst possible position. If you were to ask me two months ago who would be in the worst position at this moment, I probably would have said Brooklyn. Uh, but, you know, he got a little bit of cap rescue and he was able to retain some talent. And going forward, he should be able to help himself a little bit. And Josh Rojas is there. He's got like 250 for three years, which is good value. Yeah, so Nick was kind of a mixed bag for me. Uh, by far, the low light was he gave Ozzy Albies three years, 925. One of the worst deals ever made of any kind, signed by anybody. Uh, while losing the rights to Altuve three years for 825. So he paid Ozzy Albies more money than Jose Altuve. And I just, I don't think that's a good value. No. Uh, he also did not come out of this event with a shortstop. Uh, so he had Carlos Correa rights and Correa ended up signing with the fire for two years of $3. So he's going to have to find a shortstop in the open draft. It's kind of doable, but uh, th- that's kind of a mistake on his part. But I I, I like his pitching staff. Um, Chris Grota has him as, as the top staff. You know, you got Bieber, you got Gallon, uh, Jose Julio Urias. So, you know, that's not a stack, but then he kind of does a stack behind them. Uh, he's got three Indians pitchers. He's got three Arizona pitchers, if you count Dre Jameson and his minors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think Brooklyn has a very solid shot, um, you know, to to be in a good playoff position and maybe defend his title. Yeah, I, I think his team, I think, is pretty squarely in the middle of uh, uh, in the middle of the road. And I, I think he should make the playoffs if, you know, everything kind of kind of works out like it probably ought to. I think that's the most likely outcome. I'm not in love with having this many pitchers under contract. I think I've made mention of that more than a few times. But, um, you know, you never know. Maybe he makes a couple of trades, gets those guys at the door, shores up his pitching a little bit. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of getting another uh, uh, Cleveland Guardians pitcher. And, you know, he could definitely make another run. All right, so we talked about a good team. Let's talk about a bad team, the Fort Worth Fire. Uh, so Fort Worth ended up with 19 contracts, only $6.47 of re- remaining space, and they signed eight players. Uh, highlighted by Noah Syndergaard on a two-year $6.50 deal. Uh, on our last pod, we said that Austin basically needs to get tradable assets. Did he succeed? I mean that's that's tough. I would I would have said two weeks ago Noah Syndergaard looked like he was trending up. Um, his last couple of returns for spring training have not shown that, and in fact his velo has been down. So as a tradable asset, the best time to trade him might have been immediately following uh, immediately following the auction. Uh, Kodai Senga I actually really like, so that might be a good tradable asset. Carlos Correa is on a decent price, but again. Shortstop is so deep that ultimately, you know, I could probably find Carlos Correa production for close to free. Um, I think Adolis Garcia and Jake McCarthy end up getting traded. I think that they both will show out as at least top, you know, thirty outfielders, maybe better, and they'll end up uh, they'll end up being assets. I think everyone on this roster, except for Austin Riley, gets traded. Um... I like the Carlos Correa deal. Uh, you underrate him, but I, I think he's still one of the top five fantasy shortstops. Um, yeah, Kodai Senga, two years, three bucks. Pr- pretty good value. This team is going to be really bad. Uh, Austin is going to trade anyone that he can. Uh, it'll be curious to see how much he can get for Garrett Cole and who who ponies up, given that kind of nobody's really going for the Yankee stack. Uh, but Garrett Cole is probably the best fantasy pitcher at the moment. Uh, so Austin definitely has a lot of tools to kind of 
keep adding to that prospect depth to make another run for it in a couple of years here. Absolutely. I mean, this is one of the rare teams where we kind of know going in, this is not a team that's trying to contend. And ultimately, his goal is going to be different than the rest of us. So I'm, I'm certain he's going to turn these guys into good prospects. All right, moving right along here. The previous champion before the fire, the Toronto Canucks, he came out with 19 contracts, five bucks of remaining cap space, and he signed seven players highlighted by a monster three-year deal to Mookie Betts. Uh, Kyle Wright got poached by Princeton, and then you poached Chris Sale. But overall, how do we think Toronto did? Uh, competent, as always. Um, that's kind of maybe one of the best compliments you can give anyone in this league, just, you know, just competence all the way down. I like the Mookie Betts deal, provided he gets second base eligibility. Suddenly you have someone who may be a declining outfielder, but would be the number one second baseman in the league, in our, at least in our league. Uh, Christian Javier has had you know, has had a good good year. I think that point per game could jump up into the 16s or 17s this year, and he's on a pretty decent contract. Pablo Lopez obviously completes the stack. Joe Musgrove is perennially underrated, but he'll give you solid production. So you know, I, I like I like these picks. I mean, the remaining ones are for you know for very little. They're lottery picks, but you know we'll see how they work out. Yeah, when you look at the Canuck roster, it's not sexy. Um, you know, Betts and Vlad are obviously sexy bats who can anchor a lineup. But outside of that, it's just kind of a lot of, you know, good, not great. Uh, just no giant holes. Um, I, I think this is going to be a middle-of-the-road team. Uh, I think Stu will probably have them overperform just because that's what Stu does. Um, but he, he didn't give any contracts that... Uh, will destroy a franchise. So I, I think he did okay. Yeah, there's nothing egregious here. There's just competence, and Stu will make the playoffs. Probably it was like a fifth seed or something, and you know he'll make some noise. All right, so perennially competent Stu to perennially me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I ended up with 21 contracts. <laughs> Whoops, 15. <laughs> $15 of remaining cap space. Oh, I only no. signed five players. All right. L- let me have it, Andre. What did you do? What? <laughs> this is, why did you? All right. No, I, I'm not going to let you have it. Auction drafts. I will say, obviously, you left a lot of money, or you left a lot of meat on the bone here. You left a lot of money on the table. You signed Trey Turner on the back of a great World Baseball Classic, which is fine. Um... And again, he is a shortstop. It is a deep position. You probably didn't need to do that. And you probably could have gotten help at first base in the outfield. Although your outfield is looking pretty, it's, it's pretty strong provided everyone is healthy. Um, you got Big Dumper on a, on a really cheap deal. So hopefully he ends up being worth it. Although you do already have Will Smith. So I don't know why you would get Big Dumper and Will Smith. And uh, Kyle Bradish to to round it out. So I'm not going to let you have it. I I think I think you left meat on the bone, but I also think you're going to overperform. And I, I think your team's obviously one of the two or three top teams anyway. Yeah. So I obviously hate leaving 15 bucks on the table, but looking through all the contracts that were given, I I just didn't want to go multi-year on basically anyone who I could have had for that price. Um, looking back, Lucas Giolito went for, I think a one year, $12 deal. So obviously, you know, that would have improved my team. Uh, but I, I really got boned here by the nomination order. Um, and I, I did it to myself. I'll be the first to admit. So I wanted Patrick Sandoval, but he was way down buried in the T fours. Uh, so I just, I, I, I didn't commit much of my dollars. And then I, I, I fucked up Yandy Diaz. Uh, I should have. I, I tried to get cute, tried to get him on a one-year deal, and I just threw away my fifty percent premium. So, not thrilled there, but yeah, I don't know. O- overall, I'm happy. You're you're right. Trey Turner shortstops a deep position, uh, but y- when you're signing guys, you chase that elite repl- above replacement level upside. Yeah, so, I, and that's why I'm not going to burn you over Trey Turner. Your problem was not spending on Trey Turner. Your problem was that you didn't spend elsewhere. I mean, ultimately, that the the fifteen twenty five is the 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 loss of opportunity, right? 
So I, I wouldn't, I'm not annoyed about Trey Turner. I would just say that you had an opportunity to improve your team elsewhere. Unfortunately, you didn't take it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so Big Dumper, I, I think I have money on him to win the MVP this year. Jesus I, I have money. Yeah, I mean, it's a free bet. <laughs> but uh, he, with the shift ban and how he was looking at the end of last season, I think he could theoretically be a top three catcher. Uh, and then I got Will Smith expiring for next season. So I, I was, you know, looking to this season a little bit, but mainly looking to next season. So I didn't have a shortstop under contract for next year. So that's kind of my Trey Turner motivation. Uh, I could have improved at first base, but really the only option was Freddie Freeman. And we'll, we'll talk about how much money he went for later. So <laughs> overall, I'm happy. I think my pitching is a little thin, uh, but you know, four out of five Mariner games, I'll, I'll have a solid Mariner starter and then meatball Marco in the fifth. But <laughs> overall, I'm happy. All right, let's move on to talk about our inaugural league champion, Ashton and the McKinney Knights. He signed 18 contracts, only $1.55 of remaining space, and he signed seven players highlighted by Jacob deGrom on a three-year $15 deal. How do we think Ashton did? Well, I think, I mean, obviously he used up as much of his cap as he was possibly able to. And that DeGrom contract basically just exists as a binary, right? If he's healthy, it is a bargain. If he is not healthy, then it is an albatross. But we won't, we won't know that until uh, three years from now. So, I mean, that, that one's just TBD. I like the Rasmussen and Springs contracts. I think that they are both decent value, and that's obviously going to help him out in terms of his stack. Uh, Jimenez, Jimenez, Jimenez. No idea. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that's a good that's a good second baseman for for the for the money, and obviously he desperately needed help after Lux went down to his injury. And you know, I I like what Ashton has done in terms of team construction. I think he has some flexibility here. He's definitely going to be making picks here in the open draft and i like that he has not handcuffed himself so he's given himself some future agility here which which is good yeah so he's got five tampa pitchers uh with one of them not being tyler glass now who you poached but if luis patino can become a rotation guy and then I think he's got a good chance of having a solid starter every day and then a great starter on DeGrom days or McClanahan days. And then his lineup is really scary, actually. Uh, Juan Soto, Bo Bichette, and then Tatis once he comes back. This could be a sneaky contender. I, I agree. I think what we're seeing right now, ultimately, I think Alec Thomas is going to end up in that starting lineup just because he was very good last year and he should be very good this year i don't know that he's having a great spring but it's not a huge deal i think also once uh, uh fernando tatis comes back that ends up um that ends up kind of filling out the, the rest of his lineup in terms of either playing him at the utility or filling him in with Bo Bichette. but you know he's he's got a lineup that really doesn't have holes except possibly at first base. That that may be the only spot where you'd want to shore up or make a trade. Yeah, and then uh, with Anthony Rendon, it, that improves his third base outlook. Maybe Jose Miranda keeps taking a leap and can fill in the first base, or maybe that's something he addresses via trade using some of his uh, prospect depth or pitching depth. Yeah. yeah. All right, moving on to the non-champion division, and we'll get to your team soon, Andre. But uh, Fuck. Now, now we'll go. <laughs> now we'll go alphabetical with the the Chicago Communists. They ended up with twenty contracts, eight dollars and fifteen cents of remaining space, and they signed eleven players. They had a very active free agency. Uh, Mike Trout, three years, seventeen dollars. Jose Altuve, three year, eight twenty five. Uh, Tim Anderson on, on a big one year deal. Uh, I, I'd say the communists were probably one of the teams who will look the most different than they did last year. Absolutely. I mean, they just they just swapped out half their team. And, you know, some of those are returning guys, but they, they had a bunch of key losses. They had a bunch of contracts. And on the whole, I like their uh, 
I like how they constructed their team. Obviously, you know, Tim Anderson is on a monster one-year deal, but that's a good shortstop um, like plug-and-play. Let's you're not going to be mad if Tim Anderson's your shortstop, even though you know his his metrics have always seemed like anathema to our league. It's a guy that strikes out a fair amount, doesn't walk. It's just all all bat, all swinging at first pitch, but he makes it work. Uh, Trout is on a monster deal, and he's injured every year. I don't know if that's going to be a good contract or not. Ultimately, uh, that that's the one that would scare me the most. Altuve at that price is insane value. Uh, I had him going way higher than that, so great job, Keith. And uh, Tyler Anderson at, uh, at his price was uh, a pretty good deal, and I think he's only a two-year contract, so he's not going to be tied up for too long. So, yeah, I, I really liked I really liked Keith's uh, uh, free agency here, and I, I think that his team is going to be in the in the running again this year for uh, for a good spot in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, to win a title in this league, you have to get hot at the right time. You have to get lucky in September. So, having a team with Trout. You know, if you get red hot Mike Trout healthy in September, you got a chance. Yeah. Um, and then he, he went hard on the Angels stack, uh, missed out on Patrick Sandoval. But uh, I, I think his pitching will be solid. His lineup will be very good. Uh, it's unfortunate for him <laughs> that he can't hit Otani on the same day that Otani pitches. But mm-hmm. that's, that's just the way fantasy baseball goes. Uh, but yeah, he's got a really solid lineup, a lot of bats, especially once Altuve comes back healthy. So, absolutely, uh, I, I like I I loved his strategy on Justin Verlander, um, offering a what a forty-one year old a three-year deal. <laughs> I, I I loved I loved the strategy on that. Yeah. It it didn't work out, or maybe he ultimately chickened out. But I, I thought it was bold. Yeah, that is bold. I mean, honestly, that that is something like you, you're sort of playing chicken with the rest of the league, right? It's like, are you willing to follow me into what may seem as though it's going to be a bad contract? And by the way, when Justin Verlander's 43, it's going to be a bad contract. Uh, uh maybe. <laughs> this, this man, de- de- <laughs> he, he's drinking from the fountain of Kate Upton youth. That's, uh, that's true. And there might be a portrait somewhere in someone's attic of Justin Verlander that just keeps getting older and he keeps staying the same age. That was a boring gray joke for for those of us listening. Okay. Um, I I would have liked to see him maybe try and bring uh, Nimmo back or. Yeah. Uh, no, I I thought I thought Keith did well. Uh, he's yeah. he's gonna be a tough team. I'm I'm glad he's in your division and not mine. I, if they're good, they're in my division. Yeah, of course, naturally. All right, moving down the list here, uh, <laughs> going from a very good team to probably the biggest shitbag in the league, and that is Patrick and the Colorado Canucks. Uh, so the Canucks, or not the Canucks, the Cutthroats, uh, 18 contracts, $17 remaining space. He only signed six players. So Patrick and Austin kind of had the same goal, go into free agency, get tradable assets. Did, did Patrick do better here? Oh boy, that Lance McCullers contract. The stupidest deal of all time. That, that is there, what is the opposite of a tradable asset? It's an untradable asset. I don't know how you move that contract uh, without, without maybe eating half of it, but that, that's going to be an albatross, unfortunately. Uh, Lucas Giolito on a one-year deal, that's, that's a no-brainer. Well, if he returns to form even a little bit, <coughs> that's going to be a good tradable asset. Uh, Yoshida, I think on a two-year deal for five bucks, that's that's a good tradable asset, especially if he shows out. You know, he could be a four-point per per game player and probably net him at least a decent amount of GC or maybe a good mid-tier prospect. So that's that's solid. I like the McNeil contract a lot. Um, I think that he's kind of perennially underrated in our league, and I kind of wish that I would have signed him and just had second base sewn up for for the next three years because i think that's what that gets you like he might end up just wanting to keep mcneil if he fits within his rebuild window just because that's it's nice to not have to worry about that position at all and then tyros is a is a lottery pick we'll see what happens with that yeah i i've thought about mcneil a lot because he's as a left-handed hitter he's one of those guys where you know, put him in your lineup versus a righty. And then especially having that outfield eligibility, mm-hmm. I think he could be a 
huge get for a contender to just just have a really strong second baseman and then have him have him as an outfield option as well. So I thought that was a great signing. With Yoshida, it's it's kind of a it's like a penny stock, right? It could be worth a ton, and then people could come line up, or it could be a total shitter. Uh, so that's an interesting one. And then yeah, Giolito, uh, ton of potential for for a flip there. So I, I thought that was a good get. And whew, Lance McCullers here, yeah, that's that's a. It's going to be a rough one. Yeah, that's a bad time. I mean, I, I think with Yoshida, he'd probably be best served to just watch him. Like, once he once Yoshida gets on a good two-week run where his points per game are like five or something, and it'll happen over the course of the year. Everyone gets a good run. He'd probably be best served just to try and move him as quick as quickly as he can at that point while his value is highest. Yeah, this is, this is going to be an exciting team, though, that if you go and look at their prospect roster, they're freaking stacked. Uh, Miguel Vargas, Jordan Walker, Francisco Alvarez. Uh, they, they got a ton, ton in the pipeline. So hopefully Patrick can, uh, can, can write the ship and kind of finish the rebuild. Um, or early on in the league, he was one of the perennial contenders. And I, I think he might've had at one point the the best overall all time record. So he did actually, uh, I think at some point, maybe two years ago, that would have been the case. Yeah, so we call him a shitbag, but you know he he's one of the top managers in this league. So we'll, we'll see if he can get back there. All right, moving on to your boy Tyler and the Dallas Gauchos. Eighteen contracts, two dollars of remaining space, and he signed seven players, highlighted by the top signing of free agency, and that is Jose Ramirez, three years, twenty-one bucks. Uh, how do you think Tyler did? So the Jose Ramirez contract, actually, I'm perfectly fine with. I think you're paying him as though he's going to be an MVP for three years. But, I mean, that's a position of need is third base. And you have to spend the money. And to his credit, he spent the money. So, you know, only $2 remaining. So he definitely did not have a, uh, any opportunities remaining. He just spent as much as he could, which is good. The Chris Bryant contract... I just don't see it. I don't know that there's a ton of upside with Chris Bryant at this point in his career. And there's there's injury. He's playing in Coors, which means he's going to be devalued for half the season because Coors just fucks you up for some reason. I love the Jesus Lizard. I, I think everyone does. I think he's actually primed for a pretty decent season. Lindor, I mean, yeah, look, I, I, this is my common refrain. I just don't think you should give money to shortstops. But you know, someone, someone was going to pay Lindor, so fine, whatever. Uh, Reese Hoskins, rest in peace. We'll remember you forever. And you know I, the the rest of these contracts are fine. I I don't I did not actually mind Tyler's uh, 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 draft at all here. I I think it's I I think I my uh, <laughs> you know my complaints about the the trade that you guys made, but um, the this all right. Let's complaints. Let let's get off topic. Let's talk trade. Okay. All right. Manzardo, All right, so Manzardo, according to every prospect list, every fantasy prospect list is like a top 25 prospect for fantasy. Uh, who, who did you trade, Cole, to get Manzardo? Michael Kopech, who is a 50-cent pitcher with 100% rights after this year, okay. and a previous top five prospect, right? No. He's got that pedigree. No. Uh, <laughs> top 10? No. He, he was on what list? <laughs> he was a centerpiece in the Chris Sale trade. You can you cannot just write something on a piece of paper and say, "Hey, there was a list where he was top five or top 10. <laughs> that's not that's not the case. I, I I can once we start our fantasy baseball blog. Oh, I'll write that. That sounds actually pretty fun. But I am I correct okay, in saying then, that Owen Casey's in high A right now? But he's on the Cubs. Jesus Christ. I think it's a bad trade. I think it should have been made. Ultimately, it's made. I have complaints. I don't like it when the rich get richer, but that is just me. Yeah, it's nowhere near the the Max Scherzer trade. No, no, nothing is on that level. No, I, I, I think there is... You know, maybe maybe I do come out better, like that the odds are in my favor there, but there is a decent percent chance, you know, 30 to 45% chance that he wins this trade. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, prospects 
fail all the time. Kopech is already in the MLB. He has a job. Exactly. Manzardo exactly. could come up and flop. He could be a quad A player. And then, you know, you lose the trade just because you traded assets in order to get nothing. Who knows? It seems from the exactly. outside as though it is a bad trade. Okay. Uh, I was a little bit surprised uh, to see the Gauchos not try harder for Giolito, uh, given that he's got three White Sox pitchers. Um, and then I wanted Chris Bryant on a one-year deal. Like, yes, Coors, yes, he's 31. But when he was healthy last year, he was he was a productive player. Um, so if you could you know, roll the dice and get health from Chris Bryant, then that'd be great. But I think the instant that Tyler added that second deer deal, Ashton was out, I was out, and it was just like, yep, have fun. Like, good luck. Yeah. I mean that that's a contract that works if he retains money and moves him. Like Chris Bryant at five bucks is a lot more value. All right. Moving on to the Halton Huskies. Uh, 21 contracts, $4 in remaining space, and they signed seven players highlighted by a big deal to Raphael Devers, 1775, uh, and then a three-year deal to Justin Verlander for four bucks and 25 cents. How do we think the Huskies did here? Uh, This is another one. This is competent. I mean, Devers, probably worth the money, and he's probably overpaying him, but, you know, he had the space, so why not? Verlander... uh, it, that's the thing. It, it's a three-year contract. Yes, Verlander is at an advanced age. Yes, but so what? It's four dollars. <laughs> if you have to DFA a guy over four bucks, no one gives a shit. It's not going to hurt you in the long run. Um, I really like the Andrew Heaney uh, uh, one-year deal that he got. That's I think fifty cents. If nothing else, it's a good trade piece. And Heaney, when he was on the mound, was super effective last year. It's just a matter of whether he can stay healthy or not. So on the whole, I, I like this. Uh, I like this free agency form. Yeah. So Brendan has a couple interesting partial stacks. So the Verlander signing was great because he has Scherzer, uh, and then he gr- picked up Carrasco at the end of the free agency as well. Uh, but then he has three Toronto pitchers and he has two Texas pitchers. So he, he did well on the stacking side. Uh, I'm not sure I love the Devers signing at that price point. I, I didn't think third base was a huge need for him, uh, given that he has Bobby Witt. Uh, I, I thought second base was a bigger need, so I was, I was a little interested to see that go down. Um, but yeah, overall, the Huskies, I think, are going to be a title contender. Um, I, I'm not sure potential division favorite and then you know see how things shake out in in the playoffs yeah and you know i mean i'll differ with you with regard to bobby witt like you know how i feel about him i don't like him for fantasy i think he's gonna end up being a better real life player than a fantasy player but um with regard to devers it's an overpay you're paying for future production which may not happen yeah, I think also Bobby Witt's probably a better five by five player yes. than yeah. a OB, OBP points league player. But it's uh, still to Devers is great. I, I love Devers, but I would have tried for a smaller number there. Yeah. yeah, I agree. All right. Now we are coming to your Los Angeles smog. Probably had the busiest free agency of anyone. You ended up with 18 contracts, only three bucks and 25 cents remaining space, and you signed a whopping 13 players, highlighted by Bryce Harper, Corbin Burns, and Dustin May. All right, how how, how do you feel about this? What grade do you give yourself? Eh, C plus. I could have done better. I mean, there there were parts where, like Dustin May, for instance. I literally did not have to sign him for the amount that I signed him for. I could have signed him, I think, for two bucks cheaper. Yep, you could have given him eight fifty. Yeah, that's what the numbers. No, like uh, the it was. I think the next highest. You're right. Was eight fifty. So I could have just given him eight fifty and been done. Um, that was that was exhaustion at that point in the draft. I was just tired. <laughs> um, but you know, I I like the Bryce Harper contract. He should be back by you know around the All Star break. So I'm basically paying for two and a half years of production at you know, fifteen bucks of Bryce Harper. I think that's fine. Corbin Burns, I I was shocked that I got him at that price. I think he's either the number one or the number two fantasy pitcher for me. Um, so to get him for thirteen fifty is great. If nothing else, I can move him if he's not part of my future plans. 
And, you know, Dustin May, that's kind of a homer pick, right? But, you know, I'm a homer, so it's okay. And the rest of these, you know, tend to be pretty low-dollar contracts. I don't think I have anything else above $10. Um, I think if you were going to critique it, you would say that I've tied myself up into 2024 and 2025. Yeah, there's there's just a, a ton of risk here. Mm-hmm. Uh, three-year deals for Glassnow and Sale. And then I guess Brady Singer is good. I still have... Uh, an impression of him that he's bad, but I guess he's good. So a three-year deal for him. Um, and in true LA smog fashion, looking at your team sheet here, you already have five guys on the injured list. Yep. yep. I well, I mean, that was kind of by design. I want to maximize guys who are coming back so that I can uh, maximize my open draft spaces. Uh, so I knew obviously that Bryce Harper was going to be on the IL I knew going in that Bello was going to be in the IL, that Glass now was going to be down, and Gonsolin injured himself in the funniest slash stupidest possible way, slipping on a baseball. <laughs> Get off the mound. Um, but these guys should come back at full strength, except for Glass now, who will uh, probably never come back at full strength. I, that's that's the one contract that I'm very wary of. So. You're in the division of death. Uh, current projections, and you have a lot to fill out still in the open draft, but current p- projections have you second to last. Mm-hmm. Does that match kind of your expectation of where your team's at, or you you think you're better than that? Oh, I for sure think I'm better than that. Um, yeah, I, I'm reasonably sure I'm going to make the playoffs this year, but you know, where in that, I don't know. I don't think I'm a top team by any means. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty certain I'll make the playoffs. It's just a matter of managing within the year and making trades which i tend to do do you have any um anything to say to either dane or jacob for taking spencer strider and clayton kershaw well dane's thing at least makes sense i mean he overpaid for strider he's paying him like he's the cy young winner which he hasn't done yet and we'll see how that works out for him uh kershaw i mean i don't that that was just that was just silly. I don't understand that one. I mean, I'm fine not paying Kershaw for 100 innings a year, but yeah, it just seemed just seemed odd to have him uh, have him taken away at that point. But whatever, I pivoted, so it's fine. You can swear. You're allowed to swear on the show. I think I've sworn a lot on this show. But I, if if you want, I mean, fuck you, Dane. Fuck you, Jacob. And I hope you both rot. Okay, that's what I wanted to hear. All right, we'll we'll move on. So this next one is kind of has an asterisk to it, um, but the New Orleans Storm uh, valiantly filled in with Harlan. Uh, Harlan ended up getting him twenty two contracts, ten bucks of remaining space, and he signed ten players. Um, it, it's hard to know how much of Zach's plan was perfectly executed here, but I. I think he's got a really good looking squad. Yeah, I know. This uh, the the complaint with Zach's team, unfortunately, has always been on paper versus in reality, right? On paper the squad always looks good, and then in reality they go out and they crap the bed. And it's not a fault of, of Zach by any means, it's just bad luck that seems to always strike. This year I think that squad looks great. I mean the, that collection of bats is is real nice. Um I mean if your worst bat uh in your starting lineup is Randy or Rosarena, that's that's not a bad lineup by any means. And, you know, you could argue he's not even going to see playing time once Nemo comes back. Uh, I think that pitching staff has some holes, has some question marks. But, you know, I I think that getting Arenado and Nola at decent prices is a huge help and uh, really takes this team from, you know, somewhere in the lower third to somewhere in the upper middle. So I, I, I like their draft. Yeah, this is definitely going to be a contending team. Um, my one beef with Harlan's execution is I, I would have liked him to retain Nestor Cortez, yeah. especially given the the Severino ownership. Uh, I didn't think there was much point in signing uh, Nathaniel Lowe or uh, Ahmed Rosario. Um, and then... You know, especially with some remaining space, uh, I, w- I would have gone for Cortez there. But, you know, overall, given the amount of time he had to prep and just familiarity with the league, I thought Harlan did great. Am I am I crazy to uh, nominate <laughs> Nestor Cortez to release? He did. Yeah, that was, that was a, a bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, that, was, that, was, yeah. that was weird. 
Uh, and then he uh, he valiantly or heroically ignored uh, the Byron Buxton troll <laughs> troll job by Ashton. God damn it, Ashton! <laughs> I pinged him in the middle. I was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" But I, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure we agreed beforehand to not troll Harlan about Byron uh-huh. Buxton. So. Yeah, and then Ashton showed what his word is worth. <laughs> Uh, all right, moving down the list here, the Oklahoma sailboats, uh, 21 contracts, $0 of remaining cap space, only signed five players, uh, kind of a boring free agency, but I, I think that's kind of Matt's MO for, for free agency. How do you yeah, think? I did? think this was fine. Honestly, the, the Abreu contract is good. Cronenworth contract is good. Stripling and Manea on team-friendly deals, very good. Uh, Dansby Swanson on like what was it one buck for two years? That's great. That's fine. I, I think this. Yeah, you're right. This is boring, but it is boring and competent. And Oklahoma is going to be in the playoffs this year. So uh, that's the best compliment I can give is that hey, you didn't make a single mistake that I can see. Yeah, like going going in, we talked about this on the last episode. His team was pretty much done. He just had a couple holes to fill. Um, he's got now the full San Francisco stack. He owns six Giants pitchers, which weird, I think a is a weird, new record. Yeah. <laughs> a little weird. Uh, and then outside of that stack, he's kind of got three studs. Uh, Valdez, Rodon, if he can get healthy, and Lance Lynn. So uh, on any given day, Matt is going to have a good pitcher. Uh, and then his lineup, I, I think he's got a lot of unheralded guys, but just kind of solid all around. Um, if Gunnar Henderson turns into a superstar, that, that'd that be really helpful. Uh, it looks like he's going to rely on him to fill that third base position. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say a division contender again. Yeah. And with, a, with an unorthodox team construction. No stars, just competence from A to Z. Yes, exactly. All right, two two more to get through here. The Simcoe County Pilots, they had one of the most active free agencies. Uh, they, they came out of it with 22 contracts, only $4 or remaining space, and they signed a whopping $12 or 12 players. Uh, Freddie Freeman, Manny Machado, Brandon Woodruff, your Clayton Kershaw, to name a few. How, how do we think Jacob did here? I mean, he was in an impossible position. Like I can't, I can't shit on him for this. Like he, he re-signed Freeman. Um, he he gets Manny Machado. He keeps Brandon Woodruff. That's that's all fine. You can argue that Freeman contract is a little high considering his age. It's a lot. It's a it's, lot. I mean, it's high for sure. And you could argue that ten bucks to Clayton Kershaw probably could have been applied better elsewhere. Uh, perhaps instead of Luis Arias, you could have ended up with Jose Altuve. But on the whole, the squad's still good. Um, if you just look at his key losses, I mean, that's that's so rough. Like, just going from the world beater that he had to, to this, like, which is still a fine team, but it's nowhere near the strength it was prior to free agency. I mean, do you want to talk about those losses? Yeah, so Jacob's key losses might be a top five team in this league. So Mookie Betts. Corbin Burns, Christian Javier, Jacob deGrom, Lance McCullers, Bryce Harper. Jesus. Yeah. So Jacob's definitely in a position that I was in after 2019 is you've acquired so much talent, whether it be, you know, buying to, to go on a title run or, you know, you miraculously have guys on cheap deals um, that, you know, they're now expensive. Uh, the, yeah, this team is going to be a lot worse than it was last year, uh, at least on paper. But I, I still think they're going to be one of the title contenders, one of the division contenders. Uh, They're they in the Juan Gonzalez division with me, and that's, I'd say, by far the weaker division. So uh, he's he's got a shot. He's got a very strong yeah, shot. Yeah, their, their, their hitting is going to be on point. Their pitching is probably going to suck. And... Hopefully, over the course of the year, they can shore up their their weaknesses, which I'm sure he can. I think you've indicated here he has by far the highest streamer percentage. Uh, yeah. So besides the the super shitbag cutthroats, he has at this moment the highest streamer percentage. Uh, and then 
the second worst pitching staff. A, a little bit can change with the open draft, but not really. Uh, but he's got a top five lineup. So um, if if you were to say, do you want a top five rotation or a top five lineup? I, I would take the lineup. So that's that's in good shape. Uh, he's he's betting on. I, I his lineup on, on paper is good, but it kind of scares me. So he's betting on a Jesse Winker bounce back. He's Christian Yelich is kind of showing signs of not being what he was. I started to show that last year. Uh, I think Arias is going to be a lot worse in Miami than he was in Minnesota. Uh, and then, yeah, Freddie Freeman is 33, giving that monster deal to a 33 year old. I, I don't love it. I, I I don't love that either. I think Arias uh, is actually probably going to be decently close to what he was last year, if only because he has no competition right now. He is going to get every at bat that he could possibly handle. Uh, there they have they have no one who is going to push him at all for any for any at bats. So I think that's going to push up his at least per game production because he might end up seeing more plate appearances. But the lineup around him is terrible. So. No, it may be a push. All right. So now we are going to welcome Dane to the show. Dane, the owner of the Princeton Anglers, had a free agency to be remembered. Dane, how are we doing this morning? Hey, uh, doing good. Thanks for having me on. Okay. So I, I got to be the first to ask. It's kind of what everybody's thinking is, what the fuck were you doing? <laughs> well, um, you know, going into it, uh, Brandon and I had some pretty big discussions and we realized our plan that we took last year where we focused really, really big on bats uh, just did not pan out. While we had some pitching, we took some key losses to injuries last year and things like that. And we just, you know, we did not have the insurance to really carry us through the season. And it became apparent seeing the success of the other teams last year, um, how powerful a stack was. And as we went and we did our research, we saw really the best way to acquire a stack is let's, you know, unzip, drop it out on the table, and let's acquire the entire Atlanta stack in, in free agency. And by drop it out, you mean you drop your penis on the table? Uh, obviously. The giant excellent. eggplant that I stuff in there in lieu of my penis. Oh, excellent. All right. Yeah, purple purple's kind of one of those things you see a doctor about, but I understand what you're saying. All right, so your top six free agents all were pitchers. Uh, you ended up with 18 total contracts, only left $1.25 remaining in your cap space, so well done there. Um, and then, yeah, out of your eight signings, the top six were pitchers, uh, only signing Alex Bohm and Austin Hayes to just $1 three-year deals. So I guess why Atlanta? And then follow-up, if you get those four Atlanta dudes, why take two pitchers beyond that? Well, so again, it kind of goes back to needing the, well, let me address the second part first. Um, we wanted the depth of pitchers, right? Not having to ever, or try to remove the need to ever rely on a streamer. Um, and so by filling in a couple of extra guys in, um, you know, to, uh, with with Sandoval and Lauer, and then on top of some of the other guys that I already have on my roster, Tristan McKenzie, um, you know, Dane Dunning, maybe things like that. Um, just really trying to plug that potential hole. Um, and so, you know, going from there, once we uh, finish out the rest of the plan, kind of uh, hope that we can remove that or reduce that streamer percentage or need for a streamer percentage even more. Yeah, Cole is very helpful. Obviously, we still have one hole to fill in terms of... Yeah, yeah, I see that. <laughs> Obviously, still have uh, one more spot to fill in terms of a pitcher for Atlanta. Um, but in theory, working that, working that out as we speak. Yeah, so the listeners at home can't see my screen, but I, I have the Pascroda preliminary results here showing the projected streamer percentages and... Princeton's actually in good, pretty good shape relative to everyone else, but yeah, I bet you are really hoping that Schuster falls to you in the open draft. Yeah, um, definitely am going to attempt to to 
grab him if possible. Um, however, not the main um, the main target. Okay. So I guess hmm, you're before Andre. So drop drop your main target. Uh, in terms of open draft bats, I have holes in bats that we need to go ahead and plug while I can have while I have a full, for the most part, roster of bats there. Um, there's guys like uh, Nolan Gorman, who's probably not projected to be every day, but will definitely be there um, a good amount in terms of second base or moving around middle infield from what we've read. So we need to go ahead and, and shore that up as well as just get some depth in there. Right. Um, you know, I, I saw a lot of growth from the youth bats that i had acquired through through different trades in the previous seasons um you know tristan casas uh we've got guys like uh o'neill cruz who's been a beast nolan gorman has shown really good eric Baum this this spring has kind of exploded with his power um so really looking to lean on those guys but still need to plug some holes and add some depth where possible are you at all worried about having nine pitchers under contract and how that might affect your uh, flexibility going forward not too much. You know, I, I think we gave ourselves enough flexibility with uh, a couple of one-year deals that are going to be able to drop off in, in Eric Lauer or Charlie Morton um, for next season, as well as, you know, guys like uh, Matt Manning and Dane Dunning, um, while they have rookie years or rookie options going into next year's free agency, um, don't know if they're going to factor into the plan. So really, we're looking at Spencer Strider, Max Fried, Cal Wright, um, Sandoval are the guys that we have obviously Trisha McKenzie we're probably going to do everything possible to to maintain him he's that been was, that pretty good unless he just question. absolutely blows up this year that was gonna be my next question do you do you see Tristan McKenzie as expendable or a great trade piece given that you've kind of hitched your wagon to Atlanta well I definitely don't want to remove the possibility of him as being a trade piece, right? Um, something like that in going into deadline either this year or next year, if we're still rocking the Atlanta stack um, and we are in a position to win, something like someone like Tristan McKenzie, excuse me, someone like Tristan McKenzie could definitely be a uh, a nice chip to acquire a a hefty bat to you know bolster the lineup even more. And then, kind of, my follow up has uh, has Keith contacted you about Patrick Sandoval because he's he's going hard on the Angel stack, and that's kind of the missing piece there. I have not. No, I've not heard from Keith. Um, the only uh, trades that have been talked right now are some open draft picks with a couple of people, but um, really, we're not keen on or we're not keen on moving open draft picks just because we needed to um, solidify those those lines or those holes in the lineup. All right. So one one other thing I wanted to ask before we let you go: How does it work having an AGM? You you seem like the only owner who has kind of seemed to find a groove with kind of a dual management. Yeah. So Brandon and I are really good friends, and you know we used to work together um, up until a couple of years ago. And honestly, he and I mesh really well. We have similar thought processes with how we want to take the take the team, take the direction of the team, as well as, um, you know, just overall design plans, who we want in prospects, who we want to target in free agency. But when we do have disagreements, um, you know, he's not afraid to challenge my my thoughts by any means. I lean on his, his baseball knowledge, which is way more than mine. Um, you know, he's been a baseball fan his entire life and kind of unfortunate we wanted him to be able to be on here to expose him a little more to the league. He's not had a, a ton of exposure to the league just with how things have gone, but no, it's 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 great. Um, Brandon is is awesome and is behind the scenes. You guys don't see it, but anything that we're ever doing from a Princeton standpoint, you know, his fingers are on it as much as mine. Now, what happens when you're like, we should start Spencer Strider, and he's like, we should start Tristan McKenzie? What happens there? Uh, well, you know, we'll talk it out, but. Ultimately, he and I try to operate under more of a 50-50 guys as opposed to me being in the owner and he being an AGM. But um, I guess technically, if push came to shove, I could overrule him. But fortunately, that has uh, never come up. And and you don't get into situations where it's like, oh, Strider got blown up. Like, nice decision, asshole. This is literally oh, well, I mean, trying to start shit. That's, this is all. <laughs> we 100% take the pits. You know, like, we, we give each other shit 
constantly. The entire basis of our friendship started on giving each other shit. So there's definitely plenty of that. Um, but yeah, usually whenever it comes time to setting lineups and things like that, we're we're in agreement with who we who we want to roll out there. All right. So Dane, owner of the Princeton Anglers, thank you for joining us uh, this morning. We wish you the best of luck in this season. Hopefully all your Atlanta arms stay healthy. And uh, good luck getting Jared Schuster in the open draft. Knock on wood. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. So let's wrap this up by quickly going through who we think our division favorites and our title favorites are. Uh, So let's start with the division of death, the Sammy Sosa division. Andre, who, who do you have winning this division? So I've been going kind of back and forth on this a little bit. Like I, I know this was one of the prompts that we were going to be looking at. And this, this division is just, just a hard ass. Like there are three teams that could win this division. I think if I was, if I was going to make a bet, I would probably rank them as Oklahoma then Chicago, then Toronto. Uh, but you could easily talk me into, into uh, Brendan, you know, kind of taking the division as well. I do you have a do you have a strong feeling on this cuz I I I bounce back and forth on this a fair amount. That's interesting that you have Toronto as one of the tops. I, I have um, them, I think is number 3. Number 3. Uh I would say Chicago okay. number 1. Uh and then I would go with the Huskies as number 2. And then I think number 3 is kind of anyone's game. Uh Oklahoma, I could see there. New Orleans, I, uh, maybe the Smog, maybe your Smog could be a number three team in that division, and then maybe the Canucks. I, I think Tyler's uh, Gauchos will probably bring up the rear if I had to if I had to put money on it. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Communists to win the division. All right, moving on to my division, the Juan Gonzalez division. Uh, who, who you got God at the top cool. here? You're, you're, I'm, you're I'm, I'm about to kick you off the show. You're going to make me say you, uh, you. You son of a bitch. <laughs> only if you mean I do it, mean Andre. it. I mean, I, I think that's the... If this was Vegas, I think that would be the only, uh, you know, minus 110 bet or something. I think every... Versus the field, I think I would still take you, which is probably the greatest compliment I can give. Um... Oh, if okay. if we were looking at you know who's who's coming up behind, um, I think that Princeton had a good had a good draft and could conceivably push you a little bit. I think that Ashton is always there, and beyond that, you know maybe maybe Jacob really overperforms, but I think you like his team more than I do. Yeah, I would definitely not make take my team against the field. Um, at least re- not right now, maybe with the knowledge that I'm all in and I, I want to win this year. I think you're all in and want to win I, this year, Cole. Yeah, and I have the prospects to to improve. Um, but I think the Brewers are going to be really strong. Uh, the, the Pilots are strong on paper. I think a lot can go wrong for them. Uh, and then I would say the McKinney Knights are, are really strong, but I don't think they're really all in on this season. I think they're more targeting 2024. Uh, Otherwise, the Knights would be a a good selection for that division as well. So I I think I'm the favorite, but I would not take myself first the field. Fair enough. It might just be false modesty, though. Uh, Yeah, perhaps. All right. Gun gun to your head. Who's winning the title this year? Gun to my head. I think you do. Um, I could see maybe four or five contenders, but I think you would probably be the favorite, not against the field this time, because I think that the Sammy Sosa division has a lot of good teams, but I'd say in order, probably you, followed by maybe uh, Chicago, Houghton, uh, maybe Oklahoma, and then we switch back to Juan Gonzalez, and then we're looking at maybe Princeton goes on a run, uh, I don't think that Nick has the horses this year, but he may, that may change. I mean, it's just it's impossible to say at this point in the year. Everyone's going to make trades. But if, if uh, gun to my head, I'd say you. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not going to pick myself, but gun to my head, I would pick the communists. Uh, since I'm not allowed to pick myself. but I mean, you are allowed to pick yourself. You're just choosing not to. All right, well, I, I'm bringing home the second title, and then Stuart is going to have to retire that fucking custom GIF with Patrick Waugh or whoever, whoever oh, yeah. that is. But yeah, fuck you, Stuart. There you go. That's that, that felt good, right? It did feel good. All right, so that that wraps up the free agency segment. So thank you, Andre, Andre, for the uh, another great pod. Um, and it's going to be a fun season. Hopefully, the open draft has progressed in the hour or so that we've been recording this. Um, nope. But yeah, let's have a fun season. <laughs> nope. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, Colorado made their pick. They have picked Nick Pavetta with the fourth pick. Yeah. Nah. Uh, uh, I, I don't agree, but whatever. Who cares? Before we close out the podcast today, we are now less than a week away from opening day, which means we can start looking at the weather forecast so we can start thinking about our lineups. So let's do a quick preview of the expected weather on opening day. It's going to rain!